Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 162. You ready for this? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. He uses fear as a sign to keep pushing forward, Pat Flynn. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me today. I'm so stoked to bring you this particular success story. I mean, success stories are great, and the best success stories, I feel, are the ones that come from listeners just like you. And Nick Stevenson was a listener who had heard episode 136 with David Seitman Gartland, who was talking about creating awesome online courses. So Nick heard that episode, took action, and is now crushing it. And you can kind of tell how well he's doing based on the title of this particular podcast, which is a first-timer's $130,208 product launch. So one single launch over $130,000, and Nick's gonna talk about all about the things that he did, all the steps that were required to do that, and uh, you can find his site at yourfirst10kreaders.com. He's helping authors get their first 10K readers. An incredible success story, he actually... Anyway, you'll hear the story about how he came in contact with me after listening to that episode. So let's not waste any more time. Here's Nick Stevenson. Nick Stevenson, what's up? Welcome to the SPI Podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's a it's a beautiful sunny morning here in the UK. Oh, the well, sun has just come up. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful ten thirteen p.m. right now in San Diego. <laughs> so we're on opposite sides of the world. But I'm I really appreciate you waking up a little early to hang out with us today and talk about your incredible success story that you've had and that. You actually shared with me via email. I got this email the other day that said, success story, colon, the 130K thank you, Pat. And uh, <laughs> just tell us what that's all about. Um, this is all about um, launching my first ever online course. And this is, this is all based on a, a webinar that you did with uh, David Simon Garland mm-hmm. uh, just before Christmas 2014, I think it was. It was a podcast and- episode, right? A podcast didn't. episode, yes. yes. And I think you did one with um, Amy Porterhouse as well, Amy Porterfield mm-hmm. as well, shortly mm-hmm. afterwards. And this was perfect timing for me because this was around the time when I was thinking, how can I build up my um, my online kind of revenue streams and build my audience? And I've been thinking about doing a course for a long time. And just I didn't have the the blueprint in my head. I had no idea where to start. And this podcast of yours came along with David Simon Garland, and it kind of hit every trigger that it could possibly hit 
and like uh, just immediately went and bought his course, followed everything in there, and then about three months later launched my first ever online course. The launch week was fantastic, and I made one hundred and thirty thousand um, dollars, and it was it literally blew my mind. It was incredible. That was the best launch I've ever done for anything ever. That's awesome. It's it's been amazing. That's really cool. Well, let's rewind. Well, I mean, we'll get into that and how you launched it and what you launched and all that stuff. But before you came across that podcast episode, what were you doing? Did you, you had a website already? You had some sort of following, is that right? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm an author. So I've, I've been building up my online following for the past three years or so. And um, I first got started writing fiction books back in 2012 and published my first book in sort of uh, February 2012. And I think like most people launching their first ever product or online business, you kind of launch into a bit of a void. So there was, there's no fanfare, there's no right. street parades or anything. And it was really just learning how to build up that audience over the years, listening to podcasts like yours and you know other, other websites and YouTube channels and really just trying to figure out what marketing approaches actually work for books, for authors, specifically self-published authors. And um, after two years of trial and error, sort of finally figured out that, you know, if you can build a mailing list and build an audience up, then you can actually sell your books and sell your products to them without feeling like you're trying to, you know, coerce anybody into buying things. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's that, that method of selling that doesn't make anybody feel sleazy, I think was very important to me. Right, and um, I've been doing pretty well with uh, with marketing and selling my fiction books, but I knew I wanted to take it to another level. So I, you know, I wanted to share my marketing experience with other authors as well. And then, sort of late 2014, I'd, I'd start building up a little bit of a following in the author marketing space, and realized I, I wanted to have a, a sort of a flagship product that I could share with people that would help them develop their author careers as well, which is where the idea for the course came along. And then sort of like 90 days later, I'd finally got it all put together. And uh, here we are now. <laughs> so that's the, that's the quick and dirty rundown. No, I like that. That's awesome. For really quick, because I, you've sort of teased us a little bit with, with this marketing fiction books. I know we've had a lot of people in the audience who've asked me that question specifically, and I've never done that before. Can you give us a quick you know, couple sentences on, on really, you know, you said, okay, building an email list for getting that following. So when you do come out with books, you know, you already have that, those people who follow you and are interested to sell to, and it's not sleazy at all. Can you give us a quick rundown on how somebody who writes fiction can really take their books out there? Absolutely. I mean, I've been, I've been helping authors do fiction and nonfiction. So it's the same sort of approach for, for either genre really. But I, I developed this concept called uh, reader magnets, which is based on the, you know, the, the old concept of uh, lead magnets in mm-hmm. internet marketing, where you're offering something in return for an email address. Um, but in this case, you know, instead of offering a five page PDF or uh, a video or something, we're offering a book or a bonus chapter or some behind the scenes or, you know, something that's related to your book. And then we use um, free promotions on Amazon and the other ebook stores to generate lots of traffic. Nice. So I think what a lot of authors are kind of missing is that marketing expertise. So, you know, they've been writing books for years, potentially, and submitting to publishers and agents and maybe not getting anywhere. And authors are very good at writing books. You know, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can turn out a novel in a couple of months or, or a nonfiction book in a couple of months, but all they really know how to do is write books. And what's missing, I think, is figuring out how to build that audience up. 
So I show them how to offer something that their readers are going to really want and then how to get them onto a mailing list and how to develop a relationship with them so that later on down the line you can actually sell books and you can launch your books um, and you're no longer launching into a void and you're not relying on Amazon or iTunes or Kobo to do all the work for you, but you have control over your own platform. And that's exactly what I teach people how to do in my course. Nice. Lovely. Lovely. Okay. Now let's get back to this, this, this course that you launched for people with their author platforms. You had this audience that you've built, you built authority and sharing how to do this, but then kind of what was missing? What was it about David's course or what you learned in there that, that made it really click for you? What was missing? It was, it was my experience with dealing with how to market my, my own books and knowing that I had to spend two years and thousands of dollars experimenting with different approaches and strategies. And like, I, I knew that if I spent the same amount of time and the same amount of money coming up with a course idea and developing a course and launching a course, I could probably do a good job, but I didn't want to wait two years. and I didn't want to spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to figure out what worked. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to take a blueprint from somebody who'd already done it and just follow their step-by-step guide. So it made perfect sense to me because I'd been through that whole trial and error with my own business. And mm-hmm. I knew that it was not something I wanted to do again. So when David came along and said, Hey, here's, um, here's a course that will show you exactly how to launch a course. It was, it was a no brainer for me. Yeah. David's a really good teacher at that stuff. I just did a couple webinars with him and a ton of people came on and, and bought his course and are doing really well already actually. And, uh, the, after that episode, for those of you listening, it's episode 136 of the smart passive income podcast. And that, is followed by Amy Porterfield, who talks about how to market your course in episode 137. So that's kind of a good one-two punch, 136 and then 137. But a lot of people loved David's podcast because he just goes step-by-step on really how to do it. So tell us step-by-step what you did after you got that course. Like, what was your what, what was your first sort of task to get this? You said it took 90 days. Like, start yeah. from the beginning. What, what did you do first? So I decided on a topic, I think it was the very first thing that I did, which kind of makes sense when you think about it, because I had um, loads of ideas as to what I wanted to do mm-hmm. to try and help authors, you know, develop their business. And, you know, eventually I settled on, you know, how to build an audience. So my course is called Your First 10,000 Readers. And it's all about how to build up a platform and build up your reader base so that you can actually sell books to people instead of kind of throwing it out there and hoping for the best. So I, I toyed with a few different ideas about you know how to how to create books and how to mm-hmm. uh, use keywords and how to do advertising but i knew that the kind of the crux of any online business is your audience you know your email list and your social media following so i knew if i taught authors how to do that then everything else comes naturally so going through david's course I kind of helped me um narrow down my focus and come up with a concept that was going to appeal to people and then after that it was it was kind of a split between creating the content and then dealing with the technology. Because yeah. I think technology is always a big stumbling block for people. Right. Especially right. if you're quite new to this. Is like, you know, you've got all this um, email list software and websites and membership plugins and everything. And it can be so overwhelming. And this is another great way, another great reason to actually get a course or get coaching from someone who knows what they're doing because that overwhelm just goes away because you just know that someone's done a step-by-step guide for you. So I just, I went through the course step-by-step, created the content, did all the back-end stuff and then followed David's kind of step-by-step, here's how you launch it. And it really just 
it's just a plug and play system really so yeah, yeah. i have to I have to send out most of the kudos to david really for, for <laughs> making those uh, steps available well i mean it's kudos to you for actually taking action for one investing in yourself in that course so that you can then put into action and i know a lot of people who purchase courses who don't put the action into place and so it's really nice to see somebody actually follow through i mean there's a lot of great courses out there that you could get, I mean, on anywhere, lynda.com even, where you can read or listen or watch that content and you have to put it into action, of course, for it to make yeah, it work absolutely. for you. That's that's the big thing. Okay, so going back to the title, so you found out what you wanted to do. What made you decide on your first 10K readers? I'm curious about that 10K. Did you think maybe 1K or 500 or 5K? Like, what, Or did, did you just stick with 10K because it sounded the best? Well, I, I took a look at how many readers I'd built up in my first sort of six months doing these um, strategies. And it was, it was close to 15,000 that I'd managed to build up onto my author platform. Mm -hmm. So I knew that it, it is definitely possible to get to that point. But then your first 15K readers didn't sound quite right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so 10K just sounds like a great number. And it's, you know, it's definitely achievable if you kind of follow the steps that I show people. So I thought, you know, your first 10,000 readers, it's a great number. It's kind of a, a tipping point, I think, for a lot of people when they're building an email list is, you know, you can build up a few hundred, you can build up a couple of thousand, but getting to that sort of 10,000 people mark is a really big achievement. And, you know, it's, it's, if I can help people get there, it's it's going to be amazing. So that was that was the only thinking behind it, really. There was okay. no kind of um, massive formula or anything like that. But oh, okay, it sounds okay. good. It's achievable. And those are the main things, I think. Nice. I, I just asked that because Ramit Sethi, who's been on the show before, you might remember him, he talked about his course called Earn 1K yeah. on, the, on the side, actually. And that was very precise. And a lot of research went into that name. 1K. Why 1K, not 10K? Because 1K seemed more doable, more achievable for 10K, for his people who are trying to make money on the side, 10K just seemed a little bit too far out of reach. And that's why yeah. 1K is very important. But I think 10K for readers building an email list, that's perfectly doable. And I think that was a great number to choose. Now, when you say you created the course after that, what is the course like that, that you created? How is it formatted? And also talk about that technology. Like what technology are you using? So are, is, it, is it video? Is it PDFs, worksheets, or a mixture of all of the above? And then what technology are you using? Oh, it's a big mix. So it's, it's predominantly video. So in, in, when you log into the course, you, you get um, the different modules are all laid out for you. And each module might have four or five different videos covering different topics. Um, each video is maybe between 10 and 20 minutes long. Okay. So there's a lot of content in there. And they all have, you can download them in video or audio as well. It's, it's yeah, predominantly video. And the technology part, yeah, that was the toughest bit actually. And I have to admit to paying a web developer to do it all for me. That's okay. But it, you can actually, you can do it yourself if you really want to. But I knew that if I tried it myself, again, trial and error, it was going to take me forever. So I, I paid someone who knew, who knew what they were doing to actually get this course out there. But yeah, it's, um, it's a few of them are like videos of me talking to the camera, but it's mostly sort of a screencast. So I'll have a PowerPoint or keynote slides up on the screen and I'll be recording that and um, recording audio over the top. So it's kind of like, kind of like going into a webinar really. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time that's the kind of format you go for because you know, the visual side of things, if I did it just audio, I think people tune out a little bit if you've got 12 hours worth of audio, mm. but with video, you can keep things interesting. You can show people different aspects of what you're trying to explain. And it's, it's a really good medium, I think, but it took a long time a lot of work to put that content together, right? 
really underestimated just how much work was involved. Um, I, <laughs> how long did you think it was going to take and then how long did it actually well, take you? I remember developing the, the kind of the website so that I could upload the videos as soon as they were ready. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it can't possibly take more than a week to record all this. And, uh, I was so wrong. I mean, it, took, <laughs> it took something like 12 weeks to oh record gosh. all the content. And because at the time we just had a baby, uh, we were moving house. This was kind of over Christmas and New Year's as well. Mm-hmm. Um, There's lots of stuff going on. And just finding the time to sit down at your desk in the quiet with, you know, a microphone and reading out these slides, but also sounding really engaged as well. Because mm-hmm. you can't sit there and go, okay, uh, step number one is to do this. And <laughs> exactly. You've got to... <laughs> You've got to really jump in and be really excited yeah. and really engaged and to kind of force yourself to get into that mindset um, to read out slides that you've already written and tweaked like 50 times mm-hmm. is really tough. And then you've got to edit it as well and, uh, and compress it and upload it. Yeah. So, you know, for every, for every hour of video, it was maybe took three, four hours to actually produce. Did it seem and to get was, faster for you the more you did it, it though? It did, it did. Okay. And at, the, at the beginning, I think I was doing like, I would read through uh, a session with the slides and I'd make so many mistakes. I'd just keep on going and I'd edit them out later. So you can imagine how long that took to go through in the editing program and cut out all the nonsense. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, I could do, you know, I could do a session in one take and that was very exciting because I could, you know, no fluffing up or anything, but it still took ages. And, you know, I really underestimated just how much work was involved in that. But I mean, it's entirely achievable. But it's, man, it's, it's tough. Absolutely tough. I mean, you know this, doing, <laughs> doing all me. the podcasts. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I mean, wh- where, where did you find the time? Because I know that's a big hurdle for a lot of people and sometimes an excuse. But I mean, a lot of people don't have the time. And you were in the middle of a move. You had a baby. Was it a set schedule every day or every week that you did this? Or kind of just whenever you could have a, a little bit of quiet time? And you it found was literally it? whenever I could grab like an hour or two hours here or there because it was, there was so much chaos going on but I knew that if I followed through with this and actually took action that it was going to be a massive deal and it was going to make a big difference so it was a huge priority for me so I knew it had to happen so you know the kids would go down for a nap and I'd go and record something or you know it'd be nine ten o'clock at night and I'd you know record something or I'd get up early in the morning to do something you know just whenever you can find time because I think you know if you know something's going to work for you and you like you said you know you've invested in yourself by buying these courses, you know, you owe it to yourself to actually take action. And this is the main difference with, you know, when you take a free course um, or a free ebook or something, that, com- that, that compulsion to, to take action isn't as strong. But when you have to, you know, invest, and this was a considerable amount of money to invest in a course, mm-hmm. you kind of force yourself to take action and it makes a big difference. Yeah, David talks about that a lot and, and why it's good to, to charge higher prices. And it will get a lot of people to take that action that's required to do what, what they need to do to get those results. Now, you said you knew it was going to work. Did you know it was going to work? I did. Well, I believed. I had faith. You believed it was going to work. Okay, because and that's I, important. Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I first started publishing books, fiction and nonfiction books on, on Kindle. And when I made my first sale and my first hundred sales... And when I made my first like thousand dollars in a month, uh, I knew, I believed back then that that was going to work. And I had the exact same feeling 
with this course, like I believed that it was going to work. All the signs were looking good. Mm. So I knew that if I could just follow through, take action and see it through to the end, that it was going to make a big difference um, for me and my family. So it was a massive priority for me. That's that's really cool. I love that. It's it's hard because you, know, you put in all that work. You said you were you were working so long, 12 weeks on this. I mean, by week six, by week eight, I mean, you you don't see any money coming out of it at that point no. because it's not launched yet. How, what I mean, you talked about what, what kept you going, but do you have any sort of words of wisdom for people out there who are in week eight of the creation of their course, for example, <laughs> and you're just like, man, I don't know if this is going to work. I think don't beat yourself up. I mean, I spent so much time sort of feeling bad and feeling guilty that I hadn't created all the content yet. Mm. And kind of one of the major mistakes that I made was I started marketing the course with the expectation that it was only going to take me a couple of weeks to get it finished. So that was kind of big learning point. Oh, talk more about was, that. It was, was, you know, I was doing that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'd created some preview content and I'd created some, you know, some teasers and I was building my email list uh-huh. leading towards this launch. And I was seeing people getting to the end of this preview sequence and I had nothing else to give them because uh-huh. the course wasn't ready. So I, I'd spent two or three weeks putting content together. I'd, I'd expected to have finished by then, but I'd only done like a quarter of the course. And <laughs> I had all these people who had finished all the preview content. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because it's going to be another five, six weeks before I can actually give them the course. You know, they're not going to be interested. So I basically just had to keep sending them something interesting every week to try and keep the momentum going. Oh, wow. And yeah, I was really tough. And I think the worst thing is, is getting down about it. You know, if, if you realize you've hit a stumbling block like I did, you can beat yourself up and you can feel bad about it, but that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to be a productive way to go about fixing things. So you've got to, you know, you've got to give yourself permission to stumble now and again and just realize that anything is fixable. So I, I managed to take all those people who had reached the end of my preview content, I managed to get them excited about the launch again. And I managed to launch really strong. So it's not the end of the world. If you make mistakes, it's not going to be the end of the world. Just give yourself permission to make mistakes. I think that was a big learning point for me. That's fantastic advice. Nick. Thank you. Now, just to fill in a couple gaps before we move on screencast videos, you were using ScreenFlow for Mac or what was, were you using to do? Oh, to it's do that? Camtasia. Okay. Are you on a PC or? I'm on a Mac. Oh, you're on a Mac. Camtasia is good for both, actually. And I think they released a Mac version. Um, I can't remember why I picked Camtasia. People ask me that all the time. Do you want, <laughs> do you like ScreenFlow better or Camtasia for Mac? And I'm like, you know what? I, I interchange between both of them. They're, they're, both, Absolutely. they're both great. And then in terms of the, you, you said you had a developer develop your course for you. Did they take an existing plugin, for example, and kind of tweak it to your needs or was it from scratch? So what we did was we took a WordPress theme, one of the Genesis themes, uh-huh. and he kind of installed Wishlist Member Got it. over the top of it. And then we sort of designed the front end look and feel in line with the branding that I wanted. Very cool. So, I mean, as, as far as he's concerned, I think it was a relatively straightforward job for him. Um, but for me, it was <laughs> something that I knew was going to take me. I mean, even if I could even do it, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. But if I could have figured it out, it would have been, you know, like three months worth of work and we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because <laughs> I'd still be messing around with, with, with uh, all the back end. Yeah. Um, and then we integrated Stripe to that as well and WooCommerce. Uh, okay. So it was um, WordPress, wishlist member, 
Stripe and WooCommerce together um, to create this membership site. And uh, yeah, it's all very seamless. Very cool. Thank you for that. Now, moving on, you said that after the creation, then you launched this. How many people did you have on that preview email list before you launched or as you were launching? 3,500, almost exactly, actually, when we launched it. So I've been building that up since just before Christmas. So maybe, maybe three, three months of promotion, I think. And how did you, how did you build that list? That was uh, several ways, really. Um, one was through Amazon itself. So using free books and free promotions to drive traffic mm. to a landing page, um, which is one of the things I teach authors to do in the course as well. Um, but also doing a load of guest spots and podcasts and nice. interviews. Nice. And like January, February was so busy. Like I had some kind of interview two or three times a week all the way through those months. And that made a massive difference. You know, just getting traffic through every day without having to do much. Those were interviews on podcasts and, and blogs that had authors as, as an audience? Absolutely. I mean, what I did was I reached out to um, several um, influencers in the author marketing space and said, uh, you know, I've got this, this reader magnets concept. You know, I'd like to try it out on you. And, you know, if it works for you, you can give me a testimonial, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I, I went out to you know, four or five influencers and put this system into place for them and they saw great results and they were so happy with it they you know they talked about it to their friends and put it on their websites and that got me lots of podcast interviews and that's awesome yeah kind of spread like that so it was taking the core thing that i teach people in the course and using it on influential people and then they spread the word so that was that was a great strategy that's really cool. That, and, and that initial reach out to those influencers, which is, I think, a brilliant strategy everybody should be doing, especially when they're launching something. These were people that you already had a relationship with or kind of just started from scratch? And if so, from scratch, kind of how did you warm them up to the idea of using what you were giving them? It was a mix, really. Um, a couple of them, I, I sort of had a couple of interactions with maybe in the past, but we weren't like on speaking terms or anything. Mm-hmm. The ones I was approaching cold, I just went in with a pitch, really, a very quick concise pitch that's you know I, I would make sure i'd do some research and if they had hinted that they were interested in building their audience and building their mailing list which you know let's face it everybody does mm-hmm. um, <laughs> then I, I'd, I'd just email them and say hey you know i've got this system that i use it's called reader magnets i've used it on this person this person and this person they got xyz results i'd like to put it in place for you as well help you grow your audience um what do you think and, you know, nine times out of 10, they'd go for it. And then, yeah, I wasn't even asking them for testimonials, but because they got such good results, they were more than happy to talk to people about it. So it was, you know, the reciprocity was there yeah. and it, it worked really well. So I love that. That's like, that reminds me of when Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com came into the scene in 2010, I believe. Hmm. I had my blag up for a couple of years at that point. It's doing well, but then he came on. He wasn't the first one to start talking about you know, internet marketing and online business and stuff, but he came on and he provided value to other influencers by actually doing site reviews and telling these influencers, including myself, how they can improve their email list conversion rates. And there's a video on my blog, we'll post it in the show notes. It's a video of Derek telling me what I could do better on my website. And I put those things into action, saw massive results and just talked so much about Derek ever since that point because he helped me out so much. And now, you know, I link to him and on, on my resources page uh, and, and all this other stuff. Um, so yeah, the exact same thing. Again, 
it's because he actually provided me a ton of value, which is what you were doing to these other influencers. They're, they're, they're of course, they're going to pay you back in some way, shape or form because you've just done a lot for them and they're going to want to help you out too. Absolutely. And, and Derek is the reason that I did this <laughs> because I, you know, I knew that that was a, a technique that he used to get huh, attention. Awesome. So um, I knew that it worked for him and, you know, he's built social triggers up into you know, a multi-million dollar business and it all started from him using these techniques to get attention from people. So, you know, a lot, a lot of thanks goes to Derek and social triggers as well for this approach to marketing. It works amazingly well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you built this email list, 3,500 people. How do you launch to them? Did you do the three video series like David and Amy talk about? I did. And this is, this is where it kind of got a bit sticky. As I mentioned, mm, interesting. everyone had received their three videos. Oh, and it was like six weeks later, it was launch day. And I was like, well, I can't just launch it now because there's been a six week gap between, you know, a lot of these people getting the last video. Oh, I didn't because, know the preview content you sent earlier uh, was actually this video series. Oh yeah. This was the big mistake. So I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to lay this out here now for everyone listening is <laughs> the way David and Amy teach it is get people to opt in for something small, like a cheat sheet or, you know, something simple. And then when the course is ready, then send them the preview content. <laughs> so I, I was getting them to opt in for the preview content straight away, which I thought, you know, this is great. It's going to be fantastic. I can launch in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Hadn't got any of the content ready. I was tearing my hair out and then realized that actually a very simple solution is just to create more preview content. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I did another two videos and I made these ones very short and sort of very authority and proof based. So the last video before the launch, before the cart opened, I actually recorded myself sending an email to my fans. And then I showed um, a screen of my book. And then I cut to the next day and refreshed the page all on video and showed everybody how I think 130 reviews came in overnight for this book, just from one email that I sent. So if I put that in a video, people will get really excited about it and I can lead into the launch again. That's awesome. So that's exactly what I did. And so, you know, from, from the big mistake of giving out the preview content too early came this great idea of creating this new video that just adds a load of social proof and a load of authority to the launch. And it, it made a big difference. So it got people really excited again. So we ended up with four videos and then went into the cart open sequence. So I managed to, get, I managed to make it work just about. That's awesome. I really love that idea, actually. And then tell us what that cart open process was like. Like, was it, it opened and then like this huge rush of sale? Like, how did that, that was it, a, was it a, a limited sale in terms of like how many days it was open and then you close it up? Like, go through the whole sale process with us and what was going through your head is obviously still started to come through at some point. Yeah. So, so the, the advice is to, you know, open the cart for a limited number of days. So in the, in the course, David talked about different types of launches. And um, this was something that we'd probably call an internal launch, where we, we launched the course to people on our list. Mm-hmm. And the advice is to, to only launch for a certain number of days. So open the car and then five days later or 10 days later, close it off. So people have a very defined window of time when they can actually buy this. Otherwise, you know, they won't take action. They'll procrastinate. They'll think, you know, I'll just buy it later. And Mm. then they never do. So you have to give them a a reason to buy it now. And a great way of doing that is by saying it's only available for five days. So 
I decided to, to open the car on a Sunday and then close it the following Saturday. The logic being that weekends, people pay more attention to email. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> it seemed to make sense to me. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, opened the, I opened the car on a Sunday. I'm always going to remember this feeling, that this shaking hands when you're pressing that send button and you know your heart's pumping and you're really nervous and you, you're kind of thinking, you know, people are going to hate me because I'm trying to sell them something. You know, they're going to come beat down my door and it's going to be awful and I'm going to get hate mail and people will unsubscribe and I'll get blacklisted. You know, all these all these paranoia thoughts running through your head. Right, right. Um, but within seven minutes, I'd made a sale. You know, and this was this is a six hundred dollar course that I was selling, and within seven minutes of sending out the first email, someone had bought it, which obviously meant they hadn't watched the sales video or read the sales page because it would take you much longer than seven minutes to do that. Mm. So you know, it was amazing That's for me. Cool. And sales just kept on coming, and the first day on Sunday, I think I managed to bring in something like thirty thousand dollars, and that that pace kind of kept up. For the first, uh, for the full six days, and you know, by the end of it, it was a little over one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, two hundred and twenty odd customers, um, and everyone was getting stuck into the course. And you know, I was emailing them every day during the cart open during that those those five days, emailing them every day, but giving them value as well. You know, not not just sending sales emails, mm -hmm. but giving them something of value in the email. Um, so if you took the if you took the sales link away, it was still a, a valuable email was giving them a bit of preview content, some sneak peeks, some testimonials. And um, yeah, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. It was a crazy week because I was doing it live. So I was sending out all of these emails live and responding to requests and questions live as well. So it was exhausting, but very rewarding, definitely. And then in, in, in the email you sent to me on March 15th, there was a line that says, I'm still a little in shock. Are you, are you still in shock at this point? We're about a month after now. I am. It still, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. To me, why, 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 why do you say that? Well, I, th I think, you know, and a lot of listeners probably relate to this is, you know, you listen to podcasts and read interviews with all these people who have you know, done six figure launches or built up million dollar businesses. And you think, you know, oh, it's not something that I could do. It will never work for me. And that's how I thought as well. You know, I thought, you know, guys like you and Tim Ferriss and all these people making, making money, doing what they love, you know, you think it's like a fairy tale and that it couldn't possibly happen to you. And then it does. And you just, you just can't quite believe it. But looking back, you know, you think actually I followed, I followed a process that's proven and I invested in myself and I took action. Why shouldn't it work? You know, it's just, I guess I'm proof that people can do this if they focus and put the, put some time into it. So yeah, I'm still coming to terms with it, but it's mm -hmm. it's been life-changing, really has. I'm so happy you came on to share this. I think this is going to be life-changing for a lot of people as well. And so what's what's next? So you closed up the cart and what, what are you doing now? Like what are you doing with the students and then what are you doing in terms of this course for the next launch? So I'm just making sure everyone's getting 500% value out of the course, you know, making sure great, they great. can follow, follow all, the, all the action steps, get results. Because I, I, you know, I, I care about them getting results. I want them to succeed. That's why I'm doing this. So making sure that that is happening is a number one priority. And then going forward, we'll relaunch again, maybe bring in some joint venture partners as well, and then um, eventually go evergreen, which is a whole other bunch of technological problems as well. But it's very exciting. Very exciting indeed. That's so cool. Nick, 
man, you just provided so much value here in this episode. Not only that, but inspiration too for a lot of people, including myself, because I don't have a course yet too. And I am working on one uh, as we speak right now, which is really exciting. And so this has been very helpful for me as well too. Where can people find out more about you? Where is this course that people can go to, even if it's closed, like where can they find out more about what this is and where, uh, what it's about? Well, you can find me at um, yourfirst10kreaders.com. If you sign up there, you'll get all the preview content. So if you're an author and you're looking to build up your audience, fiction or nonfiction, any genre, um, you can go to yourfirst10kreaders.com. There's 90 minutes of free video content available there. That's still available. That's not closed off. And if you want to get more updates and behind the scenes stuff, that's the link to use. And I'll make sure that you get that through your email. So that's definitely the best place to find me. That's awesome. So your first 10K readers, the only numbers are the, the 10 and the 10K, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you, Nick. We appreciate it. We wish you all the best of luck. And uh, maybe we'll have to get you on on a follow-up episode, you know, after a few more launches to see how things go. Absolutely. I'd love to. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Nick Stevenson, again, from yourfirst10kreaders.com, a super inspiring, just incredible success story that is not too far-fetched nowadays, especially with all the information that's out there. David's talking a lot about coursework. You can grab his course if you'd like, but he shares a lot of information that Nick put into use at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 136. That was the episode with David that Nick had listened to first. So go ahead and head on over there if you want to get sort of the uh, first-hand look at what Nick was listening to when he took action. Also, you can find all the links and resources mentioned in this particular episode if you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 162. I'm also very happy to thank our sponsors for this episode. First off, The Art of Charm podcast at theartofcharm.com, a podcast that I listen to, and you've actually heard Jordan Harbinger, the host of The Art of Charm podcast, here on episode 121 before, and I actually asked him, after a little bit of talking about how we sort of switch back and forth between the top rankings in the business section, about how he finds his great guests for his show. You know, actually, I, well, one, I switched out of the management marketing category specifically because I thought, okay, if you and I are going to duke it out for number one, I can jump into careers and be next to startup. And then you and I don't have to have this, this uncomfortable battle going on for, it's like the airplane armrest where you're shoving my arm off and then you go to the bathroom and my arms back on. We don't have to do that anymore. But for me, the way I find the guests, honestly, is I, at the end of every show, I say, Hey, if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me. I'm Jordan at theartofcharm.com. And I'm very open in that way. And every day I probably get five guest suggestions and I start to spot patterns where I'll get the same guest suggestion 14 times in one month or, or two months. And I go, okay, this is a guy that everybody wants to hear from. Now that said, it's not a popularity contest because some people will say, eh, there's this guy, he's my uncle. He hasn't done much of anything, but he's got this awesome story. And I will interview that guy and that episode can take off like wildfire because no one's heard him anywhere. It's fascinating, it's raw, and it's real. And so I, I don't just look for the latest digital blogger or author on a book tour. I look for stuff that piques my interest and that's what drives the brand and, the, and that's what drives the content of the show. So check it out, The Art of Charm podcast on iTunes. Just look up The Art of Charm or go to theartofcharm.com. I hope you've been enjoying the free podcast content here. I'm really excited because it's one of my favorite things to do, and I know a lot of you have already taken action from the content that you've listened to on the podcast. And if that's you, congratulations. Just keep going, please. It's one of my favorite things to see. 
But I also know a lot of you, and a lot of you have been telling me that you've been wanting more. You've been wanting additional information, some accountability, some hand-holding along the way. And so depending on what it is that you're looking for, what I would recommend is actually go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. You'll see the courses that I'm offering there that are paid courses, but they're there to help walk you through certain processes. Depending on what problem you have or what issue or what thing you're trying to solve, go there, check it out. You can see if there's a course available for you and where you're at in your business right now, whether you're just getting started and you just want to make sure you have all the right things in place before you actually devote a lot of time and effort into something. There's a course for you there. For those of you looking to get started with a podcast, there's stuff for you there. And there's going to be more courses there in the future. And how do I come up with those ideas for the courses? They come directly from you. So thank you for all telling me how I can help you better. And if you have ideas for more courses that I can create for you, just hit me up on Twitter at Pat Flynn. Let me know or uh, use my contact page on smartpassiveincome.com. But again, check out and see what's available, smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. That will be continually added to over time. So check it out. Thanks so much. Thank you again for taking time out of your day to listen to me and this episode of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I look forward to serving you next week, and until then, keep crushing it, keep moving forward, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.